move to the oil industry. Just a few weeks ago, that California governor, Gavin Newsom, called the oil industry the second most powerful force on earth, trailing only Mother Nature in its ability to bend the elements, as they said, both physical and political to its will. Well, on Tuesday, Newsom signed a new law that gives state regulators the power to penalize oil companies for making too much money, the first of its kind in the U.S. It's the type of legislation, of course, the oil industry in the past might have had the legislative power to crush. But on Monday, the bill cleared the state assembly with only one Democrat voting against it. Joining me now to talk a little bit about oil prices and the energy transition is Peter McCartney, climate campaigner at the Wilderness Committee. Peter, thank you for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, your thoughts, first of all, on this uh, new, uh, I guess, piece of legislation that, of course, was signed on Tuesday by the governor in California. What do you think of it? Yeah, it's a good move. I think, uh, you know, oil companies are making record profits as life just gets more and more expensive for everyday working people. And so, uh, in this case, Governor Newsom is uh, striking t- striking some legislation to make them actually pay those profits back. Um, I, I also think it says a lot about, you know, this industry's power and uh, how, you know, like he said, one of the most powerful industries in the world. Um, there is actually politicians that are willing to stand up to them and I hope we can bring some of that energy from California here to British Columbia. Uh, and, you know, California is, I think, it's the eighth largest economy in the world. Uh, it is a dynamic economy with, a you know, a significant tech sector and many other places as well. But it also has a knock that it, you know, it's a place that you pay a lot of tax as well. And people are moving out of California to a certain degree as well. What do you say to the argument that, look, the energy transition uh, took 75 to 100 years where oil surpassed coal, certainly the energy transition today, we hope, is a lot faster. There will be fits and starts or where one technology will do very well and, and perhaps we'll move to another technology, whether it be electricity, solar, hydrogen, whatever it may be. But along the way that these fossil fuels that we are using also lead to a significant amount of taxes for government uh, as well, provincially, uh, in the case of, of Alberta when it comes to oil, natural gas, in the case of British Columbia, and even more so with our LNG development. And federally, uh, it leads to significant amount of tax dollars in regards to transfers to auto, which always come back to us, and health transfers, and, and many other wonderful system, uh, wonderful programs that we all want. What do you say to the argument that we cannot just, just cut off fossil fuel uh, industry that quickly because we need that tax base? Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt that um, oil and gas resource revenue brings in some money. I think it's a lot less than most people expect. Um, But the truth is, other countries around the world have figured out how to have social programs and build hospitals and run schools um, without, you know, relying on the export of a product that is fueling the climate crisis and the disasters that we've seen in our communities all over the world and here in BC in the last few years. And so at the same time as we're, you know, getting tax revenue from oil and gas, uh, we are also paying massive costs, billions of dollars um, for the consequences of that, of the pollution that they're putting into the atmosphere. 
Uh, in this case, do you think we can afford to walk away? Oil is predominantly Alberta, although we have some, uh, you know, extracted here, but it's very small. Um, but when we talk about British Columbia, a lot of it focuses in and around LNG, liquefied natural gas. Uh, we've got a massive plant being built, the largest private sector investment in the history of this province and this country with the LNG Canada project. We just had Cedar LNG approved. We have the Fortis project uh, in Delta there. Uh, there's potential for other smaller projects, uh, wood fiber, another one near uh, in Squamish as well, and potentially others. Um, do you think that should still be allowed? Uh, I mean, based on this, they want to uh, extract profits. They're not shutting down those industries. Uh, yet here in British Columbia, we continue to focus on not allowing fossil fuel industry to continue to grow and evolve and change. Uh, do you think that's still the right way to go? that British Columbia is not doing that, considering uh, the approvals of these LNG uh, fracked gas projects. Um, but that is exactly what scientists are telling us has to happen in order for us to limit global warming to safe levels. Um, in order for that to happen, we have to not be uh, burning oil and gas in 2050, and the sooner that day comes, the better. So approving these new facilities for decades to come is either going to cause us to miss the commitments that we have made as a province and as a species mm-hmm. um, to limit global warming, or it's basically betting uh, against our ability to do that, and they're going to be economic disasters. I mean, if we build LNG Canada, and then 10 years from now it has to shut down, that's, that's a whole lot of jobs, that's a whole lot of wasted investment, um, and that's a whole lot of economic turmoil that is not necessary and so we should be looking at you know the clean industries of the future there's lots of work to be done to solve the climate crisis and there's um there's plenty that people can do uh in order to actually get to work and generate economic prosperity in solving the climate crisis instead of making it worse. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm very curious. Uh, There are those who say, look, we need greater investment in uh, LNG, in oil, and to really, uh, you know, develop those industries cleaner and better than other nations and use those tax dollars uh, for vital programs. And others say, look, as you say, let's make that uh, jump as quickly as possible and attract as much investment of the green economy as we possibly can. I'm curious as to where you sit. Uh, Are you optimistic in our ability to hit those targets when it comes to climate and in regards to the commitment that we've made already? Not if we keep approving these uh, liquefied natural gas plants that only increase the amount of fracking we are doing in northeastern British Columbia. Um, We are not on track to meet our climate commitments right now. And that should scare everyone who now knows what it feels like to live through a 45-degree heat wave in Metro Vancouver. Um, This is a crisis and you don't respond to a crisis by making it harder for you to uh, to do the things that will solve it. And so, you know, every LNG terminal we build, every 10,000 fracking wells uh, we have to drill in northeastern BC just takes us further away from the uh, world where we are actually able to keep our families and our communities safe from the climate disasters that uh, the pollution from oil and gas has inflicted upon us. Peter, thank you for your time today. Thank you for having me.